This is the Fit Fun Father podcast with your host, Michael Sobkew. In the podcast, we dive deep into health, fitness, and the ultimate goal to be the happiest person you can be. Growing through adverse, challenging times to prosper through and take the learnings of the challenges we faced before and after and throughout our lives. People, this is an exciting podcast with a multitude of fantastic guests, topics, how-tos, everything you need to help improve your life one step at a time. What's going on, everybody? And welcome back to the Fit Fun Father podcast. I'm your host, Michael Sobkew. And on the show today, we have a special guest, Dr. Darian Parker. Darian is a personal trainer. He's a business owner, multiple business owner. He dives into the online space. He's been doing this for a very long time. This was a magnificent episode for me to get through with him. Uh, a lot of crazy uh, detail in regards to uh, approach to personal training, his background, his story, which you don't want to miss. Uh, some really cool things about uh, training the very, very wealthy um, in Las Vegas to doing the online thing, but not the typical online thing, the actual live training uh, via the internet, which I think is remarkable and fantastic. And through this complete interview, uh, Darian and I, we, we went on for a, a close to an hour. We discussed everything fitness-related. We discussed legalities around scope of practice. We discussed um, the online business, his business, and then finally the podcast. Him and I both are podcast hosts. We both love the space, and it was a really good opportunity to interview another podcast host. Now, keep in mind while you guys are listening to this, I've done the best I can to edit some of the uh, program. We did have some connection issues a little bit in the beginning where you'll see a bit of a change in tone where we kind of had that diminishing bandwidth. So stick with the episode, get through those small little areas, and I promise you this is an episode you're definitely going to want to hear. You're definitely going to grab this information. It was fun to do. Um, So yeah, before we get into it again, uh, please subscribe, share the channel with your family and friends. If you enjoyed this episode, give it a like, uh, write a review, tell me what you thought, go through the rest of the episodes and get on it. Let's do this. Again, I do offer one-on-one comprehensive online coaching. It's very personal. It's very uh, in your back pocket. If you're interested in something like that, please click the link below. You can go over to my website at www.fitfunfather.com. Hit the join us button and get on the application or just send me a quick DM and let me know you're interested. Or if you just have questions, that is cool as well. So without further ado, Let's get into it. Here is Dr. Darian Parker. Darian, how you doing, my man? Welcome I, to awesome. the, the podcast. I appreciate you coming on. And we're going to dive into some, uh, some health and fitness stuff. That's what people like to listen to. That's what they're, they're here for. And, and uh, you're on the show. You've got lots of experience and really eager to dive into kind of your background, where you got started and and what's brought you kind of to this point. So let's, 
let's dive into that, man. Let's dive into like the beginning. Let's tell me where you kind of started and, and, and what you're doing. Yeah. Well, first off, thank you for having me on your program. I really appreciate it. It's uh, always a pleasure to be on someone else's podcast and, and talk about a variety of things. But uh, my, I think fitness life has always been a part of my life. Probably like a lot of people, you know, I was in athletics growing up. I was in a very athletic family, mother, father, my dad was a college football player. My brother was a college football player. Uh, I was a, a collegiate track and field athlete and fitness was always around me. You know, I was one of those guys, even when we were running during practice in college, I would always just, I would continue to work out after. Nice. And I loved it. Like all my, all my uh, track teammates in college were like computer science majors and I was a kinesiology major. So it was like, it was just a thing for me, you know, yeah. I really loved it. And I didn't know what I wanted to do with it, but so I just kind of did personal training as kind of an entry way into it back in like 2001. And I never thought it would be like my thing over time. I was like, oh, I'm going to get my doctorate and I'll become a professor and maybe I use anything over time. But I just didn't like kind of the, the bureaucratic grant writing element of, of academia. So I just said, you know, I just want to focus on fitness and wellness. That was, that was really my, my goal. And so I still got my doctorate because I felt it was, I like education. I thought it would help me in my career to have that terminal education. It would be a differentiator for me, even though I don't need it. It was definitely something I wanted to pursue. So I did that. And then I got into the career college aspect. So I was personal training and I was teaching students who just wanted to become personal trainers. That's it. So I, I focused on just getting students basically certified through the NSCA and I was training people on the side as well for that. And then beyond that, I was like, I enjoyed teaching still, but then I was like, you know, I just don't want to teach anymore. I just want to train people. I like love training people. Yeah. And I love the relationships you get from training. It was more about the meaningful connection between human beings. And yeah, fitness was a platform for it, you know. Yeah, it's 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 awesome to kind of hear, you know, like I'm just starting in that in that space uh kind of later in life and really um the value of, you know, getting people that are out, you know, basically out of shape or looking to just improve, you know, pain or uh some just want to walk to the grocery store. Yeah. You know, and it's it's unbelievable how how much impact uh, we as personal trainers can have on those people. And it's, it's just, it's, it's so rewarding and fulfilling. And of course, for me, not really dived, I haven't really dove into that space yet. Kind of let's talk about, uh, some of the benefits, uh, that come with kind of personal training and some of the, um, people that you maybe, do you specialize with any particular clients? Do you take on the variety of people, um, kind of what did you start with and what do you like and what do you don't like and, and kind of maybe get into a little bit of that. Yeah, I think it's a good segue from talking about where I was moving from the academic world to training. At that point, I was just working primarily with like faculty from universities and their um, faculty university fitness facilities. So it was all, it was a very similar, you know, type of thing. And then uh, once I decided to make training kind of my full-time thing, I got into, I was living in Las Vegas at this point, 
So I got into the luxury training market. So all really wealthy clientele uh, through this very large company that was worldwide. And it's all like luxury, corporate, uh, high-end residential, and also like hotel amenities. So that became my clientele, still is my clientele, um, fairly wealthy people. It just kind of happened, honestly. It's not like I chose it. Um, But what I noticed was the monetary element was a big thing for people with training. And I I was like, you know, I just want to remove that element. I don't want people to have to make a monetary decision all the time of like, well, I just can't do this because it costs too much and stuff. And, and so working with that population allowed that part to not be an issue. Right. I learned that very quickly. And so it was then it became purely about how well I did the service and how well I connected with people um, personally uh, for that. And I liked that. And so I just continued to stay in that environment. And then throughout the course of that, I got a lot of experience and I became a corporate person with the company I was with. I was the national director of fitness for all of the 33 countries we were part of. And I became the GM of a high-end gym. So I was doing like all these different things, a corporate role. I was doing operations and I was still training. And, um, but I always loved the training the most. It was one-on-one. It was the relationship building. So I never tried to specialize in working with a certain type of person. It just happened to be more of a luxury and environment. And I never specialized to this day to like a type of training, like a piece of equipment or a modality or like, oh, I only do this type of training. Like to me, it, it flows based off of whatever the science, biomechanics, physics tell me is the best thing for that. So my platform is based off of science and biomechanics, then I could train any person. Then I don't have to have be like certified in this method or something. You know? Right. Like all that different types of people from, you know, people that just want to lose weight to people like correctional exercise, doing stability, mobility, getting people to yeah. move properly or uh, yeah. post rehab kind of stuff like that. Is there something that the, um, that like the affluent people kind of maybe, have that's different than the regular other than the money thing like is there something in that demographic that provides a bit of a difference yeah yeah kind of give me a rundown of that (laughs) i think um i was used i still used to and especially when i was running this club for over 10 years it was just a different mindset like most of the people who were like and this was like extreme affluence like millions and millions and millions of dollars casino owners judges, lawyers, and stuff like really high in Las Vegas. It's like over the top in Las Vegas. And the one thing I noticed is super type A people, extremely type A people. Like training wasn't something they just did to kind of like lose weight or a thing. It was like super important in their life. It was like a non-negotiable. There weren't canceling sessions. It wasn't like, well, maybe I'll see you later after a month or something. It was like clockwork because it was incredibly important to them just as important as how well they ate or this business meeting they had afterwards. It wasn't about weight loss. Almost, uh, the other thing is pretty affluent people are generally, they already kind of had the idea of like, hey, listen, like I'm going to get the resources together to eat well. It's not about weight loss. It's how I feel when I'm in the boardroom or I'm in a meeting with somebody. I want to have the best energy possible. 
and this is a non-negotiable. So you already had all these things in place. The motivation was there already. Right. And so they, they didn't want a six-month relationship. They want forever relationships. They're like, no, no, you're my trainer forever. Like this isn't like a, a year. Like I want you for as long as I'm alive and you're alive type of thing. Right. So the long-term clients, do you got anybody in there that's kind of famous or anybody that, that we would know? <laughs> or is that no, confidential stuff? So. No, it's not confidential. They wouldn't care. Um, no, I, I was famous in their own mind, maybe. <laughs> but um, I would say very well known in like the circles of like judges, lawyers, casinos. So not pop culture people. Right. Like we never had like famous pop culture people come through. I mean, no, they would, no, that's not true. They would come through, but they would rarely show up because they were like afraid of like people mobbing them and stuff like that. Um, like um, Floyd Mayweather and guys like that would come through or 50 cent and people like that or different clubs we had, but you know, they, they were, they had their own thing. It was just more like, Oh, I lost you again here. Yeah, I lost your audio. Oh. Uh, I see. Yeah, I hear you. Yeah. yeah, there we go. But um, so it was just it's just like people who are like actually probably more wealthy than your pop culture people, but they just were not in the news and stuff like that. Yeah, you know? right. all the behind the scenes decision makers type of deal. The the people that have that structured um very regimented lifestyle where they do the same thing they wear the same clothes they have that yeah. that yeah that uh type yeah. of lifestyle do you add a little bit of nutrition to your personal training as well is that something that you incorporate um because i think it's very important that people are eating properly and nutrition's a big thing and we'll kind of just go into that and then i want to kind of dive into maybe some of your businesses and what you're doing now and and the, yeah. the people you're touching and, and even your podcast yeah. Um, so yeah, let's talk about kind of nutrition. Did do you integrate nutrition with personal training? Is it something you're into or is that something that was kind of like, you know, you, you push to somebody else? No, good question. I, um, and the gyms that I was running and overseeing and stuff, we definitely talked about it. Um, but because I'm not a registered dietitian or don't have any credentials with that, it's generally, it's outside of my scope of practice. And so we would bring other people into the fold for that, that had that expertise. Yeah. Uh, I never had a desire to get into that. Uh, although it's a gigantic portion of how you look, <laughs> you know, and how you feel. And so, um, especially in the environment that I have been in with the clients that I'm in, they already have a team of those people already. So it wasn't necessarily diet, nutrition is not, just have a team of people that I can refer people to for um, nutrition. But I mean, I could talk about the general guidelines behind it, but I could never provide specific things um, because of I don't have the background. I'm not credentialed into it. And I'm very careful of the legalities behind it. A lot of trainers make a big mistake by trying to offer that yeah. and not having it. And they don't understand that. I used to work around a lot of lawyers and stuff. So I was very afraid of like doing stuff like that, you know, and that's a huge legal problem. You could easily get sued for offering information that you 
are not qualified to provide. So I have a good understanding of the legalities of the fitness industry and where my space is. And I stick to that. Yeah, I know a hundred percent. I know with me, I took, you know, I took nutritional coaching, uh, certifications. So, you know, you know, again, we, we talk scope of practice, um, you know, being, a, you know, prescribing things or telling people they have to take certain supplements or, you know, doing like, that's completely a no go. Uh, you know, we, yeah. we always want to refer out to dietitians. Um, you know, I dove into the, the, the coaching part of it to try and give that basic line nutritional advice, you know, getting people to try and create healthier habits and stuff, which is, I think is equally important. Um, let's talk about your business and what you're doing now and some of the people that you're reaching out to. Yeah, so I have two businesses that I, I really enjoy doing because I think they've really changed how I work. So after I had been with this large company for 12 years, I uh, decided I wanted to kind of spin it down and do something. I wanted to own my own businesses, really. I mean, I'd always had my own training business, so that yeah. was mine. But in the company that I was with that did basically consulting and management of high-end um, hotel, residential, corporate amenities. I wanted to start my own company that did exactly that, but on a much smaller level, uh, more regionally. So my business partner and I did that. So we get involved in everything from early planning, design, concept, um, the pro forma with a business, five-year business plan, pre-opening and the actual management of those type of facilities. And then I moved all of my in-person clients. So I moved to Washington state at when I made this decision from Las Vegas and uh, I had a very large clientele and I would say 90% of them wanted to stay working with me. So I decided to move my business to a live virtual personal training service. That is what I do on a regular basis as well with that business. And it's worked out really well as, as you may have seen a lot of um, training is starting to move into the digital realm with like mirror and tonal and all that stuff. So, um, it's just because, um, yeah, so you're doing the, so a question based on that, cause I, I got most of that is, and, and I'm going to kind of pick your brain here a little bit. I actually started the opposite and, uh, and I want to kind of get your advice on this. I started in the online thing, which is a slow, painful process. <laughs> um, and then when I dove into getting educated and actually training in a gym, uh, which to me, I love more. Do you advise that maybe trainers start in a gym before they hit the online thing? Cause I know it's, and that's a really good question or a really good thing that you, you mentioned about clients is you build up this massive client base. You, you have relationships with people that you've seen for years upon years yeah. and then you up and move or you, you change businesses. Like how difficult is that to tell your clients like, hey, yeah, I'm not going to be training you in person anymore. I'm, I'm moving or I'm moving on. Um, something that I always look at is like, you know, do I start in the, the one-on-one and then kind of progress or do the online thing on a side note? Or what's your kind of advice on that? I would do it on a side note starting out, especially if you haven't really been in the business yet and you haven't developed kind of your your personality, your style, your presence with people, um, just to get that, just to get the sense of the volume. I think you need the volume of working with people. It's like anything you need to spend the time doing it over and over and over again. 
Right. Um, so by the, so I had, you know, been training for 18 years, people in person before, and I wouldn't say that you need to do that. I mean, it doesn't need to take that long, but yep. I think that just people getting comfortable with who you are and, and, um, the volume of training. So for me moving to online, I didn't want to move to an online program design option because that felt impersonal to me. Like I wanted to maintain the actual seeing each other, the presence, like hearing my voice, seeing my face and I see their voice, see their face, hear their voice. We have that level of intimacy still. And I wasn't sure if all these long-term clients, I mean, I have a guy I've had for 13 years and wow. I was like, I'm not sure if he'd be into this after all this time. But I think we had developed a very strong working relationship, friendship, and he was willing to do pretty much anything I wanted to do because he wanted to maintain the relationship for that. And right. so once I did that, we tried it. Every client that I tried it with loved it from the get-go completely. Now, are you doing like actual training via video, like where you're actually going through uh, movement patterns or, or actually doing the training? Or is it more like the traditional online stuff where you, you develop maybe a, a series of videos and then kind of, you know, either mail it out to them or, or you have your own app, app and, and, and do it that way? No, it's, it's all like the first thing. It's all live video. Oh, nice. um, I don't record pre-record anything. I mean, I thought about that stuff. I definitely did. But then again, I thought, you know, these are a lot of people that they know me. They want me to still be present on that live level. And the technology allows for it to do that. So I decided against creating videos and putting them out. And I know a ton of trainers that do that, but they, they often do it just to scale it, to try to make more money. Like, okay, I just want to be able to send these out to a ton of people, kind of mass produce them, yeah. get a bunch of people. And I just, I don't think that's very personal. It takes the personal element out of it. Um, you know, to somebody who's, oh, I have hundreds of clients. I'm like, yeah, but you don't know any of these people. Yeah. Like you don't agree. know them. Yeah. You don't have no relationship. You're just a bot to them. You're sending out some information. They see you performing these exercises in a video. It means nothing to them. And actually it'll, it'll probably reduce their retention rate of doing it because they, what's the accountability? They can just turn you off. When I'm on video with somebody, they can't just turn me off. I mean, they could, but it will be awkward because it's live, you know? So <laughs> I love creates, that. Right. It creates accountability. You still need to have an in-person feel and the video, the live video creates that versus the other way. It's just too easy for clients to get out of it. You know? Yeah, I mean, with me, I, I have three right now that I work with on a very personal level, and uh, I, I agree 100%. I think uh, pushing, you know, the 50, 100, 200 clients is exactly that. It's like you don't know, or how do you properly effectively train somebody yeah. at, that, at that scale, um, or you're hiring coaches or, or relying on other people to do that for you. And I think there's, yeah, it's, it's very impersonal. Um, it's extremely impersonal, I think, but the trainer, the word scale bothers me because so many trainers go, how can I scale this business or I can have this program for like 50 people, a hundred people. And then the worst part is they lowball it and they make the price of the program really low. Yeah. So they devalue the service for that. Whereas I'm the opposite. I make the price higher than what yeah. it was when I was in person with people. And I say, no, no. 
this is even better because I have to work harder. You have to be more available. We're going to have really have to bring it being in this mode here. And I believe that I'm worth it for that. Yeah. Would you say that's like a bit of a benefit? And I know with the, the, you know, we, we've talked about the balance between online and personal, you know, where a lot of people are like, yeah, you know, but a personal trainer only sees a client, you know, an hour, maybe two to three mm -hmm. times a week. Whereas the online, you know, it's like, you got me in your back pocket. Mm -hmm. Let's, where's the balance? Like, do your, does your online programming, is it more, is there more connection? Is there more availability? Is it, is it something that where people can, they can do live sessions with you, but they can also say message you five hours later and be like, I'm feeling crappy or my, you know, my hips are sore or whatever. Is yeah. that, is that something you add as well? Yeah. Yeah. I th it's definitely, they can contact me anytime. And I often just check in on them, text them or call them after our sessions. But I think that's the good complement to it versus the, that being your main mode of like, here's a workout. I'll just check in with you. You know, like my version of that is this is just a compliment for me to check in with you afterwards if you want. But often most of my people never check in with me. They just, they're busy. They, they just want to, they want to get in there, get it done during our session. We chat during it while I'm taking them through their progression. But most of it, they just want, they're very busy business people. They're on the run constantly. So they may be in a hotel in Malaysia and then, you know, and we're training from there and then or they're in Hawaii or they're here in the United States and they're just moving from one thing to the next. So it's like they have their half an hour with me and then they're moving on from it. And then just like any other session, they all have set sessions during the week and times. So it's exactly like it is training in person where you have, you have a schedule, people come in to see you at a certain time, you know, recurring every week. It's the exact same thing the way I do it. Adaptability must be a big part of that business as well. Yes. Like you, like you say, you, you're someone's in a hotel room and maybe limited to equipment or you're, you know, you're using body weight or you're doing different things or when a client comes over and isn't feeling well or is jet lagged or, or yep. kind of give me a run through of how you adapt a lot of those things. And, and part of that program, is it a lot of body weight stuff or, or you using equipment is it dynamic to each individual client? It's definitely dynamic to each individual client and wherever they show up. And so I believe I can offer the service that I offer because I've done training for a long time. So there's really no situations that are new to me. Yeah. It's kind of like, I don't know how big of a sports fan you are, but like, I love NFL football. And I think, you know, when a quarterback's in the same system with the same coach, with the same offensive coordinator for years, that person has an advantage. The game slows down because they're doing the same thing, the same terminology, the same system for years. So for me, you know, I'm used to if a client shows up in a parking lot and it's just concrete and they go, oh, staring, I forgot the equipment that I normally have. Or last minute, I had to drop my son off at this thing. So I'm, I'm on the beach. So I just basically download what I need to do in my mind with the person as soon as I see them, as soon as they tell me, show me the environment. So the first thing I have to do is like, Show me where you're at. Give me the environment. Is the surface, is it a, a slick surface? Is there a lot of friction? Is it gravel? Is it turf? Is there benches around there? What, what, what are the kind of natural pieces of equipment that exist in the landscape that they have? And I immediately formulate what we're going to do based on, it just comes to me immediately. 
So while I may have concepts of like, hey, they're training with me five days this week, you know, this day is mobility, this day is going to be, you know, muscular endurance, this day is more cardio centered, more strength. I just work around wherever they show up and it immediately download in my mind what we're going to be doing based off those concepts and where they are. Awesome. Love it. And that obviously comes with a lot of experience with doing it in person. Yeah. As a new personal trainer, give me a couple things that I should do starting this career or maybe some of the mistakes you made that if you went yeah. back and could correct them and, and, and pass that information on to somebody just starting out, what would those be? I would say the, I would say one of the biggest things in terms of the, I'll go from the science part and then I'll go from the personality, kind of the, the social aspect of it. I would say the science part before getting in is have a, have a, a pretty solid understanding of biomechanics uh, very basic physics um, and, and motor learning. One, because a great trainer uses all those within every single session. A great trainer sees, you know, the different modalities that are available, the space that's available, the friction level of the surface, and says, okay, well, today I want to work on a little more ground reaction force-based exercises, or I want to work on upper, lower levels of exercise. Um, how does my environment fit that? Right. Or I have nothing. So how do I use the distance of the facility uh, or the environment I'm in to create uh, a progressive, dynamic, progressive workout for that? And that, if you have the, the basic science down, you'll be able to create and it won't look like a gimmick. A lot of new trainers do gimmick training. So they'll just put together a bunch of random exercises 20, 30 exercises, all completely different. And it, the order of the sequencing makes a huge difference in the results. Right. So I think if you don't have that knowledge, you're basically, I hate to say this, you're just looking on stuff from YouTube and stuff like that and try to throw imp what you think are impressive exercises out to clients and stuff. Yeah, I like that. It's it's, and I think a lot of trainers uh, get caught up in the fact that you know there's a million exercises and different ways to do it, but then they, they, they often forget maybe what the client needs or, you yeah. know, the areas of the kinetic chain that we should start with and, yes. you know, you know, hit the core and then we will work up to maybe thoracic mobility and understand mm -hmm. what the infraspinatus and, you know, you know, external there rotation do. Yeah. <laughs> and, and so, and, and I, and I love the science part of it. I really do. Yeah. And under, you know, knowing what the, you know, the quadriceps, the hamstrings, the glutes mm -hmm. do and how to help people. And I think, uh, it, it's, it's a simple thing. If you understand, like you just talked about how the, the kinetic chain works, how people move exactly. and not get caught up in having to do dead bugs versus like, yeah, um, yeah. you, you know, bird dogs or like using <laughs> resistance bands to, or I always love this one. And, and, and it's like, people get people to stand on BOSU balls and, and, and balance a kettlebell. And I'm like, they can't even balance on the, on the earth. And you're yeah. putting them on a BOSU ball. It's like, like basic fundamental things. Yeah, it's like, can you explain what you're doing? You know, it's like, there's an order, there is a flow, a rhythm to this. And that's going to be based off of what my client's goals are, um, what they can physically do at this point where they're at, you know, what are their biomechanics? How do I want to progress this person over time? I think yeah. the other thing is, is, is being really stern with clients in terms of their progression. 
is not trying to create these like fantastical exercises, but say, hey, I'm going to be conservative with you. I'm going to meet you where you're at and where you're actually at, not where you want to be, but where you're actually at and say, this is going to be a conservative program. We're going to go through, let's say, a lunge-based progression, yada, yada. And there may be, I'm going to show you maybe what the end game of this might look like, maybe 20 steps from what we're doing currently. But we're never going to get there if you are always canceling, if you're not consistent. I will keep pulling you back to the base level if you continue to not be regular. That's just, I'm not going to keep moving you forward if you're not going to be consistent. So yeah, you're going to get a lot of the same basic stuff we've been doing if you're not consistent. If you are consistent, you will open the code to the next level yeah. of the progression. It's like a game. The next you're leveling up, the more consistent you are. You're going to get more complex exercises as you're consistent. You're going to get a lot of basic exercise movements when you're not consistent. Yeah, I think it's very important. I think it's also important to a lot of trainers. And I know I get I got this stuck in my mind and, and I'll give you a little backstory. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I was really overweight. Uh, I was about 240 pounds. I lost I've lost almost 80 pounds over the last five years, got in really good shape. That's awesome. Made this kind of a lifestyle thing. And it's very easy um, to try and train somebody the way that I would currently train. And I see that often with trainers. They're not training the client for them, but they're more training the client as to what they would do. Like yeah. um, putting somebody right into hypertrophy that's never worked out before. It's, that's <laughs> absolutely maddening. Like <laughs> exactly. We haven't, we haven't touched on stability or mobility. We haven't yep. done muscle endurance. We haven't even gone into movement or foundational work. Yep. And we're now we're trying to get them to bench press, you know, hundred pounds. It's like, they don't even know how to move yet. Exactly. So yeah. And, and that's, uh, that's super important when, when going into it. And I know me, it's, it's something that I have to continually um, put in the forefront when I, you know, get when I approach a client or, or get somebody who's, who maybe is at a really, or has no fitness level, I should say. Um, And it's, it's such a, it's an industry now that I think has a lot of promise in the future. I know you've been doing it for 20 years. Yeah. Uh, what was fitness? What was being a personal trainer like then as it is to now? Are there any big similarities or differences that you see or, or a trend that we're moving towards? Yeah, that's a great question. I don't think I've been asked that before, which is it's cool to think about. Um, I think when I started, um, it was just coming like more people were getting in the personal training. Um, it was still kind of a thing. Oh, this is for pretty wealthy people type of thing. Yeah. Um, but, but, um, you know, I think that one of the biggest things, um, that I've, that I've seen for me personally is that I think the, the social element of training has trained, changed a lot as we're getting more into the psychosocial elements of human behavior. So it's not enough to just be good at the science of fitness, but you got to be really great with human beings and understanding their emotional compass. And that's kind of the second part, what I was saying before, kind of the, the emotional compass of a trainer is critically important, which I think is, do you know yourself emotionally before investing emotionally into other people with that? Dude, I I cry a lot. 
You cry. That's me too, man. I'm a crier. Oh, I got me too, Michael. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I was just going to say like, I, I, it took me, you know, I'm 42. It took me 42 years to get to where I'm at now, but I, I'm a very emotional person. The very yeah. first clients I, I started a, a practicum with and was with this other trainer and I was like watching them. And one was a rehab from an accident. The other one was just somebody who was just so overweight, very obese. Yeah. And I just seen that determination in their eyes. And I was just like, I just wanted to go around the corner and cry. Yeah. You know, just that, that inspiration that goes with it. So it's a big part of it. I think, you know, yeah. like for me, like, I think this is just my personal thing, but training is primarily companionship in my opinion. Yeah. Uh, this is what I've learned the most over the time is that people are very lonely um, and that is a, an extreme amount of loneliness from my observation and wealthy clients, especially, um, that have a lot of means, but not a lot of emotional, uh, connection. Um, but I think that's also relevant to a lot of people that are just very lonely and train. Some people just train for the companionship for it. And I yeah. know some trainers are up, Oh, I want to get them in the best shape of their lives and all that. That's kind of a beginning trainer mentality. I would say, you know, for me, it's like, I just want to be a good vessel uh, to somebody and exercise happens to be a part of that. But part of my business and it's been successful in retaining people for over a decade, most of my folks and moving towards that is just building a solid emotional relationship with them that they feel open with me. We laugh, we joke, I take a vested interest in their family and, uh, I think that is a big change. And I see a lot of trainers who are too science driven, making this session all about, you know, what movements we're doing uh, or so involved with like, they need to get results. They need, I need to push them to get these amazing results. The truth of it is some people don't want results. I know yeah. that sounds really counterintuitive, but some people just want your attention and your time. Do you think that is a, a, a reflection of themselves? Because, you know, thinking about that, you know, a trainer who is trying to develop or push a client to get these results, I, I sometimes feel, because I'm really with you there, I think that's so important to have build those relationships. And that's something I look forward to, you know, diving into this business is, you know, talking to some trainers uh, personally who have these long-term clients, they know their kids, they, they, yeah. they get Christmas cards, they get invited to, and I'm just like, wow, like that those are like monumental things. And there are a lot of trainers like he needs to lose another 10 pounds. Like, is that a reflection? <laughs> of, that's almost a reflection of themselves. I think uh, so. I think it's, or they're just insecure about how well they think they're doing yeah. in the service. And I mean, really it's, you can only ask for feedback. I'm big on asking my clients, even the ones I've had for over a decade, several of them. I'm like, how do you think I'm doing? Is there anything that you feel that I could improve upon and stuff? And just allowing yourself to receive the feedback and tell them, be honest with me. I'm only going to get better if we had this conversation and I understand what you're thinking, you know, what I'm thinking, you know, we meet each other regularly. Hey, what's the pathway? Your life has changed over the years. I think, I think it's incredibly hard to train clients like the ones I've had for over a decade because they have changed so much in their lives during the course of that. We, I have had to have this monstrous progression over all these years yeah. to maintain um, moving them forward in the program. But you know, some of them go through divorce, some of them become pregnant. Um, some you know, kids go off to college. I have one guy, I, I remember his daughter was nine when we started training and now she's like a junior in college. You wow. know, it's like, 
and it's funny. It's just, he's going to be empty nesting soon. So that's, he's going to start traveling more and just all these things. Um, I think are really important over time that you're growing with your client, much like you would grow with your spouse or significant other. It's, it's a relationship like that, you know? Yeah. And they, and they open up to you and, and some clients probably tell you more information that they tell their own spouse uh, oh, a lot yeah. of times. Yeah. So yeah. that's, that's equally important. I know you probably have a ton of these, but give me maybe uh, off the top of your head, give me a couple like of your biggest success uh, stories and some maybe like big failures or, or mistakes uh, that you can, yeah. you can remember off the top of your head. I think the biz- biggest success story has been um, the clients that I've had really long-term. Like I said, I have, I have several over like 10-year clients, many in the seven, eight-year aspect. The biggest success to me is when a client tells me, Darian, um, I never want to stop this. Like, this is forever for me. I mean, I've had many clients tell me that. This is forever. Like, I want to make sure that you're going to be around for however long that means. I said, I'm here, man. I, I don't assume I'm going to have those relationships or training relationships that long, but I think it's become successful when a client starts speaking that language to you because all of a sudden it's like, okay, I have a lot more security, stability in training, which is something that a lot of trainers struggle with. They, they struggle with the, the lack of security in training, oh, the turnover rate and stuff like that. And that's something I feel blessed that I have, I have not had that. I have not experienced drastic turnover. I have experienced consistency over all these years. I would say my biggest failure, um, that's hard, man, because I, I'm, I'm thinking back in my life, I'm like, what has it been like really bad like that I failed at? I, I think maybe initially um, I wasn't as knowledgeable about the business of training when I first started about it. I feel like I was in the academic mode. Right. So I knew so much about the science. So when I spent, like made the decision to go in really full time with training, I was fairly naive to the business element of it. And so I would be kind of like nervous about, you know, asking for money, um, understanding the payroll aspect of it when I was running a club initially with that and just all the logistics behind that. And, but I quickly got up to speed and uh, got that together. But I don't know, I feel like that's more learning, but maybe not a failure. But, uh, you know, I, I think it's difficult because even like the things maybe I'm not great at, it's just a, it's a, it's a way to move forward. Conflict is good to me. Yeah. It's a way to, pro- it's jet propulsion conflict. And I've always looked at it that way. So even if it wasn't going well, I'm like, okay, this is just a way to help me move forward. Never, nobody uh, ate a medicine ball or anything. Uh, no, I've never your... <laughs> had that. Actually, I've never had a client get injured during training. Watch it happen next week, probably. Oh, I'm God. Telling you no. This. It, yeah. But in that many years, I've never had an injury from training. I've had a lot of clients get injured outside of my session, like they were walking their dog and, and they fell during a rainstorm or something yeah. like weird stuff. But, like, but also then because I'm very safe with my training. I'm not doing like crazy stuff with people that compromises them. I, I'm meeting them with exercises that are appropriate for where they're currently at in their, in their routine with me. So um, I think that's a big part of it. Awesome. 
Let's talk about your podcast. Uh, you, you know, both of us connected through uh, the spot of guest. Uh, mm-hmm. We both, we, you know, I love the networking. I love doing the podcast stuff. Yeah. What got you into the podcast space and kind of where is that evolved and where do you see that going? I was a big consumer of podcasts before I got into it. I love listening to them. I uh, just love stories, love listening to people's stories. Um, and I started thinking, I felt this big call to start my own podcast. It was like this overwhelming feeling one day. I remember I was sitting in my kitchen, talking to my wife. And I said, man, I feel this big need to start a podcast. I don't know where this is coming from. It's just, I feel like I want to do it. And, and I said, my angle is kind of going to be like, I'm a big networker like yourself talking about networking. I had been on LinkedIn for, I've been on there for over a decade, LinkedIn, pretty regular. And that's how I would meet a lot of my colleagues in the fitness profession. And so over these 10 years or so, I was having six, seven uh, networking calls a week, just on the phone, meet my colleagues, chop it up about fitness. How'd you start whole thing? And I thought, man, these are great conversations. I need to start recording these in a podcast format so that my colleagues can see what it's like to network with people in a verbal format and really gain a lot of information more than you would from just writing something, a posting type of thing, you know? So I just started it that way, you know, it's Dr. D's social network. So it's an evolving thing. Initially it was all like personal trainers, nutritionists, um, fascial stretch therapists, people like that. And then as it's grown, I've just decided like health and wellness is pretty big topic. And so I've moved into like sexual health, um, environmental health, um, mental health, and just a huge variety of things that happen in our lives. I mean, you can look at it, health and wellness is everything in our lives. So I can kind of talk to anybody at this point, you know, Favorite episode? You have a favorite episode that you you've recorded, or a favorite guest? <laughs> yes, it was recent. It was this lady, Lori Beth Bisbee. She's on Spot of Guest as well, and it was like sexual health and diversity. Okay, because I wanted to have like a week. It was all like about dating and sex because I thought it's something that people would benefit from because it's sometimes an area we don't talk enough about about as part of our health, sexual health. Um, you know, dating health and stuff like that. And um, so this lady was on and, you know, she's really big into like polyamorous relationships, like all these fetishes and things. So I heard some things I had never heard before. And I was like, on the podcast, I think it's very, it's very apparent that I'm very naive about some of these things, you know, and I was like, whoa, I never heard of that. Like, why are you talking about water sports? I'm thinking about jet skiing and stuff, and it's definitely not that. Uh, <laughs> wow. Yeah. I was like, whoa, whoa, this is out of my zone. But I think it's good when the audience sees kind of the host struggling with certain things. I'm like, it's like, whoa, what's that? You know, and you're discovering it while they're telling you it during it. You know? Yeah. No, it's, it's uh, definitely uh, one of those. Um, yeah. As a podcaster, I'm always on the fly. Like I don't do a ton of research because I don't like to be structured where I'm trying to ask you particular questions. The conversation that you and I started with today, I had no idea where it was going to go, but that's the best part is that you, you kind of, you move on the fly. People engage with where we're going or the, or the mishaps or I, you know, I had people give me (laughs) feedback like, 
Mike, you were like way off with this one. Or why were you asking? <laughs> you know, and um, it's such a brilliant way to not only you know understand or get advice from other people, but just to kind of go out there and meet people and 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 understand what they're doing or where they've come from like having you on the show someone who's been in the in the personal training space for a long time and is doing what you're doing you know and 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 personally listening to kind of some of those successes or things that we should go into kind of make, makes me a little more confident in myself knowing yeah. that I'm doing it the right way or I'm going about it the right way with you know you know getting into those personal skills and any train wreck episodes? I mean, you don't have to. You don't, you don't have to throw that person under the bus on the show. But any any um, generalized um, podcast that just you seem were like, what the hell? I love this question. I love all these questions. By the way, I wanted to first say thank you for your unstructured nature of the show because my show is exactly the same. I know almost nothing about people when I come in. It's, it's a way of practice for me, sharpening yeah. my verbal skills for that. Um, I would say, I would definitely not throw anybody under the bus. I would say this is more, maybe it's a good way of people understanding about wanting to be on a podcast. So I feel like there's a lot of people that want to be on podcasts now, but I think they should probably question if they're ready to be on a podcast in a sense of some people, I think they, they come on very cold. And, you know, they, they give you kind of these one word answers initially. Yeah. And it's kind of like, listen, man, you got to talk. Like, obviously I'm going to talk. I have no problem talking. I can yeah. fill up the time, but this is about me talking to you. I want to learn about you. You got to give me some stuff here, yeah. <laughs> you know, a hundred percent. And some people it's like, you got to pull a little bit more on them. You really have to like dig because they are, they just don't have a lot of depth to their answers um and then some people i have like they just won't stop talking i know and, right you know and then you kind of like where do i find the entry point to ask them something i want to ask them but they're just like running on for like 15 minutes without a pause you know um, yeah yeah it's 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 crazy it's um it's one of those and and i always i and i i like what you said there you know perfecting those verbal skills or 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 being able to come up with something on the fly or simultaneously listening to what you have to say while trying to formulate a new question out of something you're saying or lead into something else. It can be yeah. quite challenging at times. And then you get into technical difficulties like you and I've experienced yeah, today where it's like, yeah. how do I move through this or around it where we, we have some of these things and, um, you know, that stuff never bothers me, honestly, like the technical stuff or different things. I just try to be as calm about it with people and probably like yourself, you're used to slicing it up and, you know, changing stuff. It may create a little more work, but still it's kind of like, you know, maybe this is an opportunity to add something else into it that I may not have thought of For sure. during this, during this little um, technical hiccup and stuff. Um, so I think it's just been like, it's a learning process. And I think people are pretty understanding of that. But I, I think like for a train wreck, it's just like, it. I mean, it would like really have to be bad for me to not put it out there. Right. And I haven't experienced that yet, but I've certainly had people who I think that um, they weren't necessarily ready to talk as much as they thought they were right. um, with it. Yeah, I'm the same. I'm like you, like, 
you, you give me the platform and I will go forever. Like, <laughs> you know, and, and I, and I get it. I know a lot of people are, are there, they've got some hard times where they're like, you know, I, I don't want any more than 45 minutes or, yeah. you know, I've given you an hour, whatever it may be. And I've also had a couple technical difficulties that have aired through published through, through the publication uh-huh. where there may be like an, a slight overlap and they catch it. And then they like email me and they're like, yeah, I heard it like a slight duplication of my voice. Can you check? Can you fix that? And I'm like, it was like one sec. Like no one's probably, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. And then you try and go back and, and and out of professionalism, try and fix it. And so learning how to do that. I wish I had an editor. I wish I, I should yeah. hire. I'm not, there's no money coming from this yet, but at some point I'd like to do that and and get and learn that part of the business, which is equally is difficult. Well, would you um, prefer, do you prefer doing longer formats like this or do you like, like the shorter ones? I'm like an hour. You know, I like, I think 45 to, uh, the longest I've gone is an hour and a half. Um, that's kind of my sweet spot. I think people love the long-term conversation, but at the same sense, I think the reality of, of podcasting from somebody who absorbs a lot of, or, you know, consumes a lot of podcasts, they don't listen to the whole thing. Yeah. You know, I think a lot of people, they, they get in their car, they have a 20 minute drive and they're going to catch 20 minutes and then they're going to forget about you for three or four days. And then maybe they'll pick you back up while they're cleaning the house or things yeah. like that, because that's what I do. And I listen to hundreds of, I mean, uh, I don't know if you've heard mind pump. They're one of the big fitness, yeah. uh, podcast yeah. i've actually had sal and adam on my show oh nice yeah they're amazing as well um but you know i listen to theirs probably more than any i think i've probably consumed three or four hundred of them and i you know i might listen to 10 minutes and then i might shut it off it's it is what it is or i grab a section of it or whatnot so uh for me i'm not the joe rogan type i don't like the three hours i can't pull that off i'm not the <laughs> i'm not the the founder of podcasting i think he's probably been doing it for 14 or 15 years yeah he has I a mean, lot of time though to do it like that's his job at this yeah point, you know so yeah yeah we're the rest of us you know it's more of a side <laughs> thing or something that we just yeah. do that that we that we love to do at the same sense Give me uh before we wrap this thing up because we you believe it or not we we are at about an hour or close to the that hour. Went fast, man. I know, right? I I'm a big like long term. Like most of mine are about an hour, like yours. But every once in a while, I do those hour and a halfers. Those are my favorite because those people they want to run, man. They ready. Yeah, they're going. They're on the uh, yeah moving and getting those in. Uh oh. I think I lost you again. That's all good. We're good. We're good. You there? Slight of it. Cause I just think you really takes a while to get into the meat with people and what they're into doing and how they're living. It's very difficult to capture that. Like I've been on a lot of podcasts where they want to do 20 minutes and I'll do it, but I'm like, you're really not going to learn a lot about me in 20 minutes. 20 you know? minutes. Yeah. It's not long enough. Like, what are you going to learn about me that's significant in 20 minutes, you know, or like, or, or rush me through questions. I'm like, no, no, some of these questions you need to like really dive deep into and, and get down through, go down to the rabbit hole of that question. You know? Yeah, no, I agree. And anybody listening who is looking to get into the podcast space or, or is, or just wants to understand. And, and this is the thing I love is, is people listen to these podcasts and they, you know, they, you know, we always want to bring out some value and give them the content they want to listen to. And they don't necessarily get to hear 
um, a lot about, you know, the ins and outs of, of the conversation that we're having right now about podcast guests and things <laughs> yeah. like that. So I think th- there's some value in this for the listener as well to, to kind of get that full picture of some of the things that we, we discuss and go through. Yeah. Um, final thoughts before we, we wrap this up, man. I, I think this has been awesome. I, I, I think that I would like to do this again with you. I think we should make a second part and dive a little and dive a little deeper into, into some of this stuff. And because this conversation, believe it or not, I could do for another four or five hours. Unfortunately, you know, you and I both probably have very busy (laughs) schedules. We we're we need (laughs) to go and put our superhero suits on and try and help as many people as we can. Um, Yeah. Final thoughts. My final thoughts um, primarily um, I've done this with other podcasts I've been on and especially people who want to consume fitness or listen to fitness podcasts or like, Hey, I'm inspired by people who talk about fitness or in the business. I would say one, one thought I think to take away when you're thinking about your workout program is, are you exercising? Are you doing physical activity or are you doing movement? I think when somebody's like, how do I start? Are you entering into those one of those three things? Because exercise is not physical activity. Physical activity is not movement. There are scientific more definitions related to those things. And I think it helps people to understand, like I've had clients who are like, they just want to move. They don't yeah. want to be stimulated and to have a harder workout that makes them uncomfortable. They just want to be active. I have some clients who when we first start, it may feel like exercise to them. There's a stimulus and then they get into a groove where they're like, you know what? I just want to stay here in this kind of intensity level. And it becomes just physical activity. We're really not providing a huge stimulus to cause a change. And then there's clients who want to exercise every single time. They want something uncomfortable each time to move them forward to cause a chronic adaptation. So my thought is if you're thinking, how do I get into being active or working out what version of that do you want to do because those three things are not the same thing yeah awesome good way to to close this out and for those listening to um i i'm going to link all of darian's stuff in my show notes so you'll be able to go to your podcast and 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 stuff like that so all the information if you guys are listening and you resonate with either one of us please feel free to kind of Finish the episode, go down to the bottom and, and click on the show notes and, and, and go and check it out. And I'm, I know we're both very approachable people. I'm sure anybody yes. can, uh, you know, DM us, message us, whatever it may be, oh, and, yeah. just, and just ask a question, you know. And that's the biggest thing with, with becoming healthier or going through health and fitness is it's, it's especially the real true health and fitness professionals we will give you free advice. We will, we will help you push, you know, a little bit forward. I mean, of course, no, we're not going to coach you for free hours of the yeah. day. You know, we, we all need no. to make money, but there's something to be said about helping one another and, and showing that we care that we want, you know, other people to succeed and be healthy and live a long prosperous life for, for our families and our kids and stuff like that. So definitely reach out to us. And, um, this has been great. Appreciate Thank you coming you, on the show. Um, we definitely need to do this again at some point. And uh, yeah, definitely. Awesome. I'm happy. I'm very grateful for 
the time and I love talking to other podcasters. It's a great community of people. We should all be on each other's shows if it makes sense and help yeah. each other and, and just spread the word and grow each other's podcasts. So thank you so much for your time. Awesome. And with that, we are done. Appreciate it. And we will talk to you guys later. All right, everybody. Thanks again for tuning into that uh, episode with uh, Dr. Darian Parker. I liked it. I, 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 you know, I get really intrigued when I get to talk with other personal trainers, feed off that information, kind of learn some of the things that they've had to go through in their career and pass that through. Uh, obviously, in a time where a lot of us are at home and we're self-isolating, I think uh, the opportunity for the online space just kind of cracked wide open a little bit more. Um, and I hope all of you out there are who miss the gym are still getting the opportunity to work out, whether it's in front of a trainer at home or, or by yourself or whatever. So, guys, I have a ton of stuff on face Facebook, social media. I'm going live on a lot of Facebook, Instagram, where I'm doing uh, workouts, uh, banded workouts, videos and, and sorts, as well as communicating a lot of these things on the podcast. So appreciate all your support. I hope you guys stay safe, uh, stay selfless, and uh, do your part so that we can get back to normal. Uh, again, subscribe, share with the people in your life. Uh, get over, down actually, get over, get down wherever. Click, get into the Facebook group. Join now. Click a click. Get in, involved in that private Facebook group with other like-minded people. Myself posting some stuff in there, uh, asking questions. We do Q&A stuff. We do videos, all kinds of stuff. So get in it. What are you waiting for? It's there. We love it. Uh, again, if you want some one-on-one -on -one coaching or you're interested in or contemplating or not sure uh, make, uh, to make a decision, please reach out, DM me. Uh, I am here for you. I believe wholeheartedly in um, the resonate, you resonating with somebody before you enter that, uh, that commitment. There's no selling. I don't go on there and try and convince you to be... Um, to get coaching, I want you to wholeheartedly want to make a change in your life and make the best fit. Maybe that's not me. Maybe that's uh, someone like Darian that you just listened to or some of the other guests on the show and all the links are provided in the show notes below. That wraps up episode 57. Thank you guys very much and we will see you on the next one.